never forget the sound. I'll never forget the helpless look in my boy's eyes as he suffered in pain. I'll never forget the man who did this to him, Roman Reigns. Roman, I can't wait one more day. I want this match tonight. I want my revenge tonight inside the most diabolical structure in WWE, Hell in a Cell. Roman, I know, I know you accepted my my match last night on Twitter. But I want to hear it from the mouth of the so-called head of the table himself. ain't my fault. Let's be honest, you're not ready for this. You don't want to be locked in there with me. You think what I did to your son was bad? That was PG compared to what I'm going to do to you tonight. So I'm going to ask you one time. This is the only time. Are you sure you want to do this, Ray? It's a valid question. never been more ready in my life. I tried it your way. I tried to be diplomatic. It's 537 uh, July, I don't, June 20th. I, I mean, yeah, sooner or later it will be July, but um, yeah, so I, I just thought I would uh, get over um, the AEW Dynamite and I mean, a little bit of Impact too and uh, and SmackDown as well, just to before, and then I'm gonna do some uh, predictions before it happens. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, let me get right to it, because, again, you know, I can do the discourse part later on. Not much discourse that I have in my mind right now, but uh, I can kind of just, um, let me see where it is with Impact. And, uh, I mean, like, I can do Im the Impact recap real quick, even though it's pointless, since it does not seem to be consequential to the AEW product, considering they shot an entire, you know, big angle. And it feels like, you know, the AEW and Impact can't even... Uh, you know, get on the same page to go over shit when stuff is going to air so that, you know, you can correlate the storytelling somewhat. But it feels like 
it's just separate worlds again, and it feels like uh, this partnership has, you know, not really done any great favors to add, you know, credibility to the impact, and it uh, seems right now AEW is not even, right now, with, the, with these Friday night time slots, not even a great Friday night product, you know what I mean? It feels like one of those uh, pre preempted fucking bras from, like, the mid-90s to the late-90s type of deal. Uh, so, like, after the TJP and Black Taurus match, which was decent, Moose was who was seen earlier demanding some answers from Scott Demore, who said someone from Anthem is sent, is someone from Anthem is sending someone over to talk these matters, but Moose came out after the TJP match, and he beat up TJP to demand answers and threatens to hijack the show, and then Chris Sabin attacks him, he tells him he needs to worry about him, which I, which I don't get, cause I can't remember, did they have beef, or... This is a way to transition Moose out of uh, out of this um, title feud, which which is kind of weak, and it fucking sucks that he did not even put up more of a fight in the uh, you know the inter the interference, like you know like people can compare Jay Uso interfering to Reigns matches, right? But it 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 it's done much better where like it feels more aggressive and it takes like a lot of fucking interference to fucking get the fucking win it's done way better than this one. See, you could have at least built Moose up as someone who needs more than just one generic inter interference from the Young Bucks rather than, you know, just doing that one, you know. Because people were comparing, the comparing like, oh, well, Omega, I mean, Reigns has that, whatever, right? But I think that, uh, I don't know, I just think that, you know, you could have made Moose look a lot better than, than you know, like a lot more credible than he did, you know what I mean? Because it felt like one of those... Uh, I'm not going to say it was on the level of Triple H and Booker T where, like, you know, the interference happened in, like, a long time to pin. But it felt like, you know, it, it felt like, you know, Moose was not that special enough to uh, to kind of, like, like, counter it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I'm not mad at the interference to, to win. But maybe you could have done something a lot more creative than just the Young Bucks coming out to do the super kick. You know what I mean? Um, let me see what's going here. Um... I, mean, I said it made this kid look stupid, and I would have had some people from Impact counter. I would have had some people Impact because I mean it makes it makes Moose look stupid by not having any backup. You know what I mean? You, so you at least could have like prevented like the interference from happening. Like, you know what I mean? You you don't gotta do WWE style type of shit. You know. Anyways, Follow Bala and Crazy Steve set up a match because they had a confrontation in the back because you know Follow Bala and TJP are partners and you know Black Taurus is Crazy Steve's partner, so they set up a match for I think probably next week. Don did talk about uh talk about in a backstage promo about how different he and Scott are because Scott has empathy for wrestlers and he just sees them as numbers and he's not worried about anthem people coming because he did him a favor for firing someone like Sammy. It was a good promo to kind of get Don out of this position because you figured they were trying to come up with a reason why Don is gonna get fired since he's since he's like really left the job at Impact like his position. So in the end of the episode, Scott Demore and Sammy had a confrontation after fending off security. Uh, um, Scott is with Sammy, things is unfair and it's wrong what happened and he's waiting for someone to come from Anthem to give him the answers. Sammy does not want to stick around to make a case for himself, he does not like authority, but he will do things Scott's way, which is kind of countering what he just said, but whatever. He he does he, he, he does his hacking thing, uh, hacking trick and he vanishes. Then Don comes out and says Sammy proved his point and Demore, Demore questions Callus' motivations and overstepping his boundaries. Don says maybe he, he did, but just but maybe he did 
did did that to Sammy because he means nothing to him, basically. Basically reiterating his problem from earlier, and Scott thinks he did it for Omega. Then Tommy Dreamer comes out, and he's telling um, about Anthem sending someone, and it was obviously leading to it being him being the, being who Anthem is sending since he approached them. He he said that Sammy is reinstated, and someone else needs to be fired because of the, the relationships that are affecting the decisions to be made, and Scott thinks it's him, and he's yelling, like, what, what, what good shit that he did while Don is kind of like, you know, the one kind of gloating, but in the end, Don ends up being the one fired and calls... Callus calls him a fucking stooge, says he's a Bruce Pritchard stooge, which kind of made me fucking laugh. And Dreamer says that there was a garbage, that there was a garbage bag waiting in the back for him. And I, I know people have an issue with like with this, but Impact always seems to be the promotion that just makes jokes because they're kind of funny, opposed to just being like, oh look, we just took a shot at WWE. Like at least from like the last several years, at least you know what I mean. Like it feels like they goof on everything that's kind of like. Um, kind of like talked about within wrestling circles, whether it's AEW or ROH or, you know, WWE, you know what I mean? So it kind of feels like they're that kind of promotion. Um, and then Samuel said he's not going to beat up Don backstage, but you say he's going to bash Omega Skull in. Not the most cutting edge way to get reinstated, but, you know, I hope this build is better than what it was. Other things was Rohit made a pact with Ace Austin and Fulton after, you know, Josh and Josh Alexander's beat Fulton. Uh, I think there's going to be an ultimate X match because, you know, the interference that happened. So they're kind of co-conspiring. And after the match, they attack Josh. Uh, you know, Ace Austin attacks Josh with Fulton. PD comes out and then Rohit comes out and then Trey McGill comes out. And then the big surprise is Mahabari Shira coming out. I guess it was supposed to do something. But Shira looked like, you know, a lot better than he he has in several years. I mean, I know he's been back for a bit, but I guess he's been gone for a minute or something like that because I haven't seen him in a bit. Another is is another case of somebody going into the WWE system for a bit, like behind the scenes, because he was hired by WWE, right? And then and now he's kind of like got his technical te- technological advancement, essentially. You know, his uh, he he got a super serum, essentially, and now you know he, he so I guess they made a pact before uh, because you know because they need the heels to be on the same page with the Ultimate Next match, I guess. There seems to be dissension amongst the group of Deanna Perrazzo, while Kimberly is the one making a peace 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 uh, maker to Susan and Deanna, which means I think we'll probably at some point get Sue Young back or something because how long are you gonna keep doing this Susan character? It seems kind of weak. It seems like a step back somewhat. Then there was Morrissey still doing a shtick of finding out the har- people finding the hard way that they're no friends and says all these people who have friends like Mac and Swan, Kojima, Edwards, TJP and Falaba, you know, they, they, they have to watch out kind of in a way or whatever for, for whatever they're doing because um, they'll get, tur- like, you know, um, they'll be betrayed basically is what he's trying to say, you know what I mean? He had to find out the hard way, he says, and... Then we had uh, the former Steve Cutler, who's now Scott Macklin. Sounds like the name of a character on a sitcom would come up with for a name of a detective, you know. He looked like, um, he looked pretty good, though, I'm not going to lie. I hope he does actually find success, even though he did not get to show what he could truly do in the WWE. Um, Tanil Dashwood beat Rachel Ellering, who had a disagreement with Grace earlier, so she did not help her with the uh, helper, and she wasn't around when Caleb, Caleb blinded her with some light that influencers use for pictures, etc. I, I, again, I don't know where this fucking thing is going, but whatever. Uh, Havoc and Rosemary uh, get into a confrontation with Tasha and Kira, and they throw him against the wall and in, in, in the, in, into the dumpster, and then they find a bag that says Mickey James name on it, which I thought was funny. 
everyone was like, you know, going, oh, oh my God, you can't make fun of WWE. Oh, their five fans are going to really like it. I mean, Impact doesn't do that for fucking like, oh my God, let, let, let's get buzzed by making fun of fucking WWE. They just kind of add those jokes in there randomly. And I, I think they always fit in kind of, you know what I mean? I don't think they try to be like too fucking out there with them. Like, like not like completely try hard like what other companies kind of do. Um, Kojima beat Rhino in the match, which was also decent, but that will make him and Eddie Edwards get a title shot against Violent by Design, so, it was a pretty decent episode for what it was, but let me get into SmackDown, I'm, I'm, I said I'm really getting sick of these Friday night episodes of both shows, and it really does not bode well, uh, for me to be interested in the time slot for Rampage when that debuts, um, but let me get through SmackDown, which I think had a superior angle on the impromptu decision to have the Hell in a Cell match on SmackDown, which made it feel special, but this has kind of felt random. I mean, the match to build for this anyways was was uh, not the most built-up match, so maybe it's fine to just to get it on free television since AEW did it for their War Games match, you know, their Blood and Guts show. So all WWE had to do was not botch the end of their cage match, and uh, they would be good. We see the red-colored cell hanging over the ring, and I'm thinking we're doing the match to start off or something. Rey Mysterio, Rey Mysterio continued to cut his best promos. Like a, it's like it's like it's like man, you need to do compelling storyline with this guy because he he's really managed to show show how good he can cut a good promo. You know, it makes me wonder if it's a mistake just to keep him in generic storylines over the last couple, few months since the whole Seth Rollins feud. Because I'll, I'll admit, toward the end of the, uh, toward the end of the feud, they did try to make. I'll, you know, they, they did try to make Dolphin Rude's feud with them kind of seem compelling, but, you know, this, but, but like, this stuff is, like, like the bread and butter of what Rey Mysterio can do, and this is why you should be using him in this kind of level, you know what I mean, to put over a great fucking heel. He says every parent knows what he's feeling with, and, um, with the pain of watching their child getting hurt, and he warned his son about the dangers of the business, and Reigns looks, took, took the baby he held in his arms at one time and threw him over the top, top rope like a bag of bricks. Ray says he'll never forget the pain of his son's eyes or the man that did this to him. He can't wait any longer and wants the match tonight. He puts over being the most diabolical, puts it over being as the most diabolical structure in the WWE. Um... Uh, where, where was I uh, in the WWE? And he knows that Reigns accepted his match on social media, but he wants to hear it from him directly. And when he does not come out, Ray calls him a son of a bitch. The cell lowers, so I thought we were getting this now, but then Reigns is out with his advocate. And even when he's coming out to promote, he has to make it epic. Reigns says he does not want to hurt Mysterio, and it's not his fault and that Ray is not ready for this. And what he did to his son was PG, and what he does to him will not be. Which, I mean, it was not any, any more than what he did to Dominic, but I mean, he I'm sure he's making he's making it seem like it's gonna be a blood a bloody affair kind of in a way. But he asked Mysterio if he's sure he wants to do this. Mysterio says he's not changing his mind. Brilliant Reigns looks kind of disappointed, and he says to Heyman, "You try to do I tried your way, try to be diplomatic. Now we'll do it his way." And he shoves the mic into Heyman and exits. I thought this promo exchange was dope. They got over the fact that Ray is really pissed about what really happened. What happened to his son and Reigns is trying to act like this is not like this is not his fault, like it had to be done and knowing Ray is gonna want to come for him. He tries to act peaceful like he does not want to do it, but since he knows Ray's wants it, he gets to pretend he was acting diplomatic, so now he does not have to feel guilt for what he's gonna do to Ray essentially. 
We see Reigns backstage later where Jimmy shows up and talks to him and says he may not be on board with everything Reigns does or how he does it, but they are a family. And when Reigns asks him where his brother has been, Jimmy says he's not seen him and he even texted and called and tried to go to his house this past week. Instead of Reigns needs him to heal help, Reigns says he does not need his help. He needs his brother and clarifies they need his brother and their family is the best when they're together. I don't know if this is just a way to get Jimmy to kind of follow along, but I was hoping for something more dramatic about it because it feels kind of a letdown that he's now suddenly with him unless there's going to be something that causes more of a rift uh, and then and then we get there but you know so we we get to reigns and ray and i mean ray immediately goes for the chair under the ring and jabs reigns a few times in the ribs reigns tries to get rid of him by shoving him um Ray uses an extinguisher and hits him with it a couple of times. Reigns uh, holds holds on, uh, being brought back into the ring. Then Ray then throws a toolbox in his face, which was a pretty good spot. It was weird watching a Hell in a Cell with commercial breaks. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Ray's in control because even the ones that they've had on television before, uh, you know, like in nineteen ninety eight, they had they, they actually had two uh, in ninety eight. Uh, on television, it was like the Austin and Rock versus Austin and Rock versus no Austin and Undertaker versus Kane and Mankind in a Tornadoes match, and then they had Kane and Mankind uh, on an, in an August '98 episode. So I think this is like one of the first episodes, first uh, Hell in a Cell matches since '98 that uh, has been on free television. You know what I mean? And those were, like, like under, like, seven minutes or so. You know, they weren't long, so they didn't need commercial breaks, whatever, right? Um, yeah, so then Ray's in control with the driving the chair into Reigns. Ray baseball slides Reigns back and chokes Reigns with the, with the top, top of the chair and then wraps it around his neck and then shoves him into the fence of the cage, then sends him, to, then sends him into the uh, ring post. Reigns is really selling the shit out of this. Reigns eventually gets out. And headbutts Ray, he, he charges, but Ray sidesteps, and Reigns ends up, uh, um, he ends up through the, t the table uh, that was placed in, in the cell. But Reigns still fights back, they, they both attempt to power bombs, but Reigns, uh, Reigns swings him into into the cell a couple of times, with, which looked really good. Um, they come back from the final break, R R Reigns seems to be in control with knees and forearms and talk shit to him. He connects with a Superman punch, and he demands for acknowledgement. Mysterio avoids a spear and drop kicks Reigns. I should mention for the podcast that when the autocorrect is fucking with me, and even though I wrote drop kicks multiple times before, they're correcting it to drops kick. You know what I mean? So already they're trying to fuck with me in there. You know what I mean? Just like they do weird fucking autocorrects for some reason, and it feels like it's done on purpose, but. Um, Mysterio counters with the power bomb. Um, counters the power bomb with the head scissors into the ropes, and before getting a six one nine, Reigns connects with a Superman punch, and then as he charges for the spear, he hit the ring post. Ray hits a six one nine and starts hitting Reigns with the chair a couple times in the back. Ray splashed on Reigns with a chair to the chest, which kind of injures Ray, which is I feel like it's kind of stupid, but I guess you know stupid with kayfabe, but he's some but but whatever, it's fine, you know. Um. Um. He connects with a frog splash afterwards. Uh, again, uh, this is, this was a spot of the night where Ray goes for the runner from the top rope, but then uh, Reigns power bombs a power power bomb throws uh, Ray into the fence from uh, like outside. You know what I mean? Like you know, from the inside of the ring, he just throws him out, and it kind of outdid uh, um, uh, his bump from what Kevin Nash when Kevin Nash sent uh, Ray into the production truck back in nineteen ninety six, essentially.
but I, I made a mistake. I put Kevin Nash and Reigns in the production trunk. Uh, Ray makes it, somehow makes it back in the ring and is immediately met with the guillotine, and then Ray immediately taps out. Uh, Jimmy Uso runs down, raises Reigns' arms, and Ray is making his way onto his on his feet, and Reigns chokes him out again, holding the title as the show goes off the air for the main event segment. Uh, they would have been this, this would have been better on the pay per view and make it more symbolic on Father's Day for this to happen. But I enjoyed this match and I thought it was uh, it it delivered. It does feel like Reigns is having one of like the better title reigns for in a while. You know, I thought he looked incredible and I and it's weird that I would be praising the champion in WWE over someone on the other show because as far as comparisons go. Reigns is completely outdoing whatever Omega is doing character-wise, but I'll get into that later when I recap AEW. We have Owens and Big E interview before the match with Apollo, uh, for the match with Apollo and Aziz, uh, who has apparently never had a match like we did not see him on Raw, Underground, or anything like that. Owens puts over Big E as a great partner who has won titles so many times, and Big E's not really impressed because the wounds are still fresh. I don't know if it's... About him um, not not having New Day with him, or how he how Owen how Owens turned on New Day two years ago when he was doing the whole Big O gimmick, but then Big E gets excited and says they will not retreat because they will feel the power. I was already not looking. I was already not looking forward to this match because like they made Aziz wrestle in his getup with like the jacket and all. So Big E gets a belly to belly with a splash, and Owens blind tags hit the senton, but Apollo kicks out. E and Owens are working over him in the corner. E stops him from making a, a tag and doing us all a favor and then connects with a suplex. But then when attempting a vertical suplex, Apollo counters and gets a tag to Aziz. Aziz does basic shit like a, uh, like almost knees him in the ribs and a boot to the face. And then on the outside slams him to the floor to take us to commercial break. Aziz has the Cobra clutch on uh, um, on uh, when we come back from commercial Aziz, Aziz suplexes, uh, suplexes him when Biggie tries to get out Apollo tags in as Biggie's fighting back with Aziz Owens after being knocked off the apron earlier comes and hits a pop-up power bomb on Apollo Apollo had to kick him kick kick out himself because Aziz may have lost his cue when it was uh, coming in to save him because Apollo kicked out of like you know a fucking move that's basically a finisher right Aziz throws Owens through th- to the ring post and by the way Sammy's on commentary for this match um going over his conspiracy he distracts Owens but then Owens was going to confront him but then goes into the ring to beat the count but immediately gets hit with a Nigerian nail and Aziz gets the win. Uh, and then he hits it again, and Sammy is super happy about it, and he goes backstage, and he's watching on the screen, kissing it, and says it's karmic payback. And then later on, Owens is um, then shown backstage, and he's coughing all over the fucking place, office, like that, that's fucking, I mean, with, 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 with the way that, you know, like, the COVID and all that is going on, like, I don't know if I would have, you know, wanted to be a part of this fucking stupid segment. Um... But he, he's gasping for air, and he says he wants Sammy and Pierce makes the match for the pay-per-view, essentially. So, you know, I'm not feeling any of these characters in general. It just feels like this company has made me feel less excited for the Sammy Owens match because of how inconsistent it has been. And then Apollo, even though he has been looking strong in his, you know, with wins and all that, his character has kind of lost steam with his Aziz thing. And I think Aziz... And Aziz was not good at all. Like I hope he gets better, but wrestling and that getup is already being in the you know, and already being in the PC for years. It does not look good. 
You know what I mean? I feel for Big E mostly because he seems like he's treading water in this and they don't know what to do. And I was hoping for him to be built up for Roman by SummerSlam, you know, a couple of months ago. But that isn't going to happen. And, you know, with potentially Cena coming back to face Reigns. I don't, know, I don't know what you do for this shit, but uh, none of this shit's really resonating with me. But I'm sure Owens and Zayn will have uh, a good match. But it feels like this conspiracy element has been taken out, like, when they're, you know... Like, like, when are they going to show the documentary, you know what I mean? It feels like it's, like, the most minimum shit that's being done when there used to be a kind of some focus on it. I'm sure him tweeting about Palestine and Israel didn't have anything to do with any of this, right? Um, people will say, well, he's being used on television. How are they punishing him? Um... I don't really want to summarize another Corbin Nakamura match, but they did try to make it feel special. Even on an on, even an online argument broke out about who defended their crown and who has been named King of the Ring, and they left out Duggan. But it does not because he does not count apparently because he did not win the King of the Ring. But neither did Haku, and who just beat Harley Race. But I got downvoted for fucking asking a good da- goddamn question about it. Um, it was not that it was a bad fucking match or anything, but it just feels like this feud was was intriguing and it already and already Rick Boog's uh, presence is kind of like getting annoying now. Even though he finally learned how to play Nakamura's fucking theme on the guitar, but uh, I'll just go over the quick. Nakamura did a sliding German suplex. Corbin drops him with a deep six. They botch a leg sweep spot. Knock at one point hits an Inziguri. After Baron got out of a sleeper and they both uh, getting near falls for their attempts at shit, there was a dope clothesline counter from Nock trying to get at Kinshasa after taking a fl- after taking a flying knees and then falling down. Finally, Corbin gets hit with uh, gets hit with one and hits the and then uh then and then uh, and then he uh, Nakamura hits the Kinshasa for the win. I didn't like I I I did like that Corbin was kind of crying while Nakamura was sitting on the throne. Now, unless something drastically changes with Nakamura's character, I suspect he will just be doing this cartoonish king gimmick. But I hope he gets something out of it because it's it's, it's the most storyline he's gotten in a long fucking time, essentially. And and Corbin's character, who never really shows any kind of like em, like emotion of like like crying and all that type type of stuff, I kind of like that. Like you know, what I mean, like like you know, he tries to talk a lot of shit, but after all, he was just crying because he's no longer a king, whatever. It was like he's really being dethroned in real life or something like that. I I always think that like you know the symbolism of like someone being a king in wrestling it means that like you're valued at a high level behind the scene like your value in life is you know what I mean like you might think it's like like that's why Harley Race is a fucking king you know what I mean because you know he he ran like you know he he kind of ran the wrestling territories kind of back then right so like it always feels like they need a cartoon version to show what your value is on the fucking surface essentially um, Bianca's in the ring for a promo, which is kind of a better version of previous promos, kind of reiterating the same thing, but it feels like even though they gotta go beyond this now, because it feels like the same repeated promo, even though she's delivering the lines properly, it's coming from her heart, but they never seem, like, like they never even show the documentary footage from the network special they did on her to show some of the struggles she's dealing with, because on the main show, they just assume that people have seen it, so it's like people like do people know what what adversity she faced or do people just assume they know you know what I mean it says it she says it felt good to put Bailey in her in her place when her show show turned into the ding dong goodbye probably 
You probably workshopped that one a little bit more. She says Bailey can kiss her dreams of being champion goodbye. She calls Bailey out, but no answer, which Bianca thinks is more game. She says that when someone laughs in your face, it is rough and it made it fe made it feel like a little girl with these bullies taunting her, and she, um, taunting her. Oh, it was taunting, and she says, uh. She she was more than she is more what the, than what they could dream of being and said it did make her second guess herself but she is nothing that she's not that kid anymore and does not want the uh, Bailey th to think that uh, what Bailey thinks to define her because she defines herself and uh, uh, fought to get where she is and she will be unapologetically her she says she'll give it her all and their hell hell in a cell match which is which I guess is a good replacement for the Reigns and Rey Mysterio match. Since uh, this has been more of an established feud that has been kind of consisted of being laughed at by, you know, she says she won't be laughing when she drags her against the cell and will body slam Bailey's dusty body all over and over. She finished off by saying they first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, and then they fight you, and then you win. Uh, I mean, it, it was a good try, you know what I mean? I, I didn't think it really hit that hard, but, you know, it was, still, it was still a dope attempt, you know, to try to get something going from whatever WWE kind of feeds you. Um, I mean, I feel like we heard all this before, but it felt like this one was more fleshed out than previous ones, you know, uh, ding dong goodbye aside, you know, um, it, it was a, it was a good go home promo for this match, Bailey comes out, and I thought she was just gonna laugh more, but she actually tries to fight right away, and Bianca gets the better of her by bouncing her off the commentary table, throwing over the barricade, but Bailey grabs her hair and pulls her into the barricade, and takes her back and, and bring, and hits a running knee, and then does the rose plant, I expected her to come out and just fucking laugh more, but I like that Bianca addressed and disarmed Bailey's attempt at what she did, that it forced Bailey into coming out and just trying to get physical. Like she knew she could not get in her head anymore, so she just straight up went for a fucking fight. I think this match will deliver in the cell, and I just uh, it may, it'll probably make Bianca come across more credible from partaking in this kind of a match. You know what I mean? So hopefully it'll deliver. Uh, Dawkins and Gable never never happened. Montez was injured from last week, and Dawkins was taped up as as well. Um, let me see how much time I have on on this one right here. Um, you know, um, Dawkins was, was, was taped up as well, and as soon as it was supposed to start, Otis ran him over, and it was basically a non-match, uh, that further established Gable and Otis as heels who are dominating, and it's kind of actually building a personal issue in a non-title, like in a non, like a feud that doesn't involve the title, and I kind of dig that, because Gable, uh, Gable does a flying knee off the apron to his shoulder, I thought this had to make you suspend disbelief, because when Gable had Dawkins in the German, uh, German suplex position, like the he, he had him in like you know like I he's about to do it Otis took a while to clothesline but it felt like Dawkins had to show the most minimal effort to look like he was trying to break up break out of it because they they were obviously waiting for Otis to do the clothesline while Gable had him in the in the German position but I, I'm digging with uh, the Alpha Academy heel team you know what I mean I feel like you know like they're doing well with it and you know it, it feels like it actually has some legs now you know and I'm you know uh, I'll finally get to the the, the last part was uh, Cesaro and Rollins thing, but th th this feud has lost steam, and I would have expected this to be a cell match, but Seth character wise has not been hitting 
for me, even though I think the match will be good, but it feels like Cesaro has just kind of lost steam, which seems to always be the case with a follow-up, with a great performance, etc. You know, Kayla asked Cesaro if the rivalry has gone too far. Cesaro said not think so. Rollins stomped him on the ramp and put him on a stretcher, blah, blah, blah. And this, um, and, 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 uh, and, uh, one second, uh, put him on a stretcher and, yeah, and this wrestling shit is his life, and Rollins trying to take it away from him. Rollins comes into the shot and says, "He's not not to worry. He's not here to fight and save it for the hell in the cell." Killa leaves. Rollins is down in the chair and says he wants his daughter to know he disgusts him and everything he does and stands for is a disgrace. He does not deserve an ounce of respect after what he did last week, and he will make an example of Cesaro and put him in his place. Cesaro basically said he respects him as a competitor, but he will see him on this Sunday and shoves Rollins down off the chair. I get they needed to have some kind of presence for them in, in this episode, but the, the that, you know, that had to, like, fit a fucking Hell in a Cell match, right? But I still thought this was kind of weak, and I hope the match delivers, but Seth's character has not been uh, doing it for me. I'm hoping it will be, a, it'll catch on, or, or maybe prosper with the live crowd, much like how the Messiah character needed the pandemic and no crowd for his character to actually prosper. Maybe it'll be different when, you know, the character actually... You know, what I mean, it'll be better. Maybe it'll be better with fan interaction when it comes. You know what I mean? Overall, I thought the I thought I thought a concise episode of SmackDown where the main thing to watch out for was a Hell in the Cell match, which was dope. Uh, so I don't think you'll get any kind of presence. I don't think we'll get any kind of presence from Reigns on the Hell in the Cell interview itself, unless they want to establish an angle, which would be cool. But who fucking knows? Since the card's like already like five matches. The mid-car single scene is not doing it for me, and it feels very, very unappreciated creativity, you know what I mean? Like, I, I did feel like uh, Bianca and Bailey uh, segment um, to set up the match. I did like the Bianca and Bailey segment to set up the match, and I'm looking forward to what uh, Alpha Academy are going to do in the future because they're growing on me as a team. And I like the, ter- the current incarnation of what Otis is. And, it, 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 and, and when I thought that this was an upside to this, people thought I was kind of crazy, like usual. But the last few weeks, they've really been showing themselves as a credible team, and they did not need to have the same matches over and over again. They actually are building a non-title-related feud, which kind of feels like an old-school type of shit, where teams did not need a title to have a compelling feud, because when this feud is over... It is another credible team. Another credible team going for the titles down the line, opposed to only becoming credible because you have fifty fucking matches with the title holders. You know what I mean? So overall, I I like the that episode. I like, like that episode of uh, of SmackDown. Now you know. Hold on. Uh, so let me, I'll come back with AEW. Um, I'll, actually, I can just go over the Hell in the Cell pay per view right now. I guess. Um, because, oh yeah, by the way, I didn't do the, I didn't do my, uh, I didn't do the, not that it fucking matters, right, but I, I didn't do my predictions, uh, I, I didn't do my prediction results that I had done for, uh, In Your House, so I said Legalda and Fantasma was gonna win, they didn't win, I said Raquel was gonna win, she won, I said Zaya Lee was gonna win, she won, I said LA Knight was gonna win, he he won. I said Cole was gonna win. He didn't, and I and then I said I predicted Imperium for a match that didn't fucking really happen. But so yeah, so out of five, I got I got uh one two three 
three out of five. And then I said WWE would book Legal de Fantasma to win. They didn't. I said they would book Raquel to win. They should. They did. They booked Zayalito to win. They did. I said they'd book Grimes to win. They didn't. I said they'd book Cross to win. They did. So I got one. So so my my me predicting WWE booking. I got one, two, three. I got three, three out of five. Not 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 really that bad. Whatever. But yeah, let me do uh, Hell in a Cell, I guess. Hold on a second, let me see. Um, let me do Hell in a Cell. Let me, uh, you know. Because again, I don't even know what match they're going to add to this fucking pay-per-view. Sometimes, you know. Just, I'll say right now, if they added an extra match that wasn't fucking promoted, then, you know, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to, like, uh, add to the score. Um... Let me uh, go right here. Let me see Hell in a Cell. Matches. So we got six matches. Okay, so let me start at the bottom. Um, Cesaro and Rollins. I'm going to say... Cesaro. I'll say WWE will also go Cesaro. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. I'll say Sami Zayn. I'll say WWE just give Owens a fucking win. Because again, this feud is not really doing it. Unless, I mean, it can become compelling if Sami wins, but it doesn't fucking really do that. Uh, Bliss versus... Uh, it, it, it's not even a matter of who wins this match. It's a matter of fucking who fucking, like... Actually, like, like, what kind of stunts are going to fucking pull with this match? But whatever, we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm going to say WWE will make fucking Bliss win. I'll say I just want Shayna to fucking win, but even though I'm going to be fucking wrong, probably. Bianca Belair versus Bailey. Uh, I think WWE, I think I'll, I'll go B- Bianca. I think WWE will also go Bianca as well. I think they, you know, they'll keep her strong. Until she loses it to fucking Becky Lynch at SummerSlam or something. Um, then we got Rhea Ripley. Oh my god, I don't even care about this fucking stupid match. Um, I, 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 I'm, I, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to say, you know what, give it to Charlotte Flair. Uh, that's who I want to win. And I think WWE will also fucking go to Charlotte Flair as well. Alright, uh, you know, that's just how, I hate it, how it is. Lashley versus Drew McIntyre. I want Lashley to win. Um, I'm afraid WWE will go with fucking Drew because maybe they say that oh with the fans coming back they want to face champion or something like that but you know I ho- I hope not so I hope Lashley does win but Drew will win so we'll see what what, what those results are gonna be uh you know I'm not really looking for I'm, I'm I you know I, I should say I'm not looking forward to it just because there's like a lot of stuff that like was built shitty but like I, the matches that were built fucking good for me are. To me, this is a two-match show for me, you know what I mean? It's Bobby Lashley and Drew, and Bianca and Bailey. you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure Rhea Ripley and Charlotte's going to be a good match. And just creatively, this this whole fucking match has been complete fucking utter shit. Alexa Bliss and Shayna Baszler has been complete fucking utter shit. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn has been inconsistent because they're not sticking with it. 
and whatever. Cesaro and Seth Rollins did start off fucking good, but I felt like, you know, maybe by, by this time right now, Rollins would have his character all flushed out. It doesn't seem like it's the same fucking thing. I'm sure this match will deliver, but I just didn't think that, you know, this was a fucking, you know, great fucking built follow-up from WrestleMania. And after, like, you know, Cesaro was built up to uh, face Roman Reigns, you know what I mean? Like, you know... Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll be back in a second to do the AEW stuff. Speak of the devil. Jungle Boy, great to see you. Congratulations on getting this opportunity. Sorry about this. I didn't expect this to be happening. I just want to get your thoughts on the match. Oh, I'm sorry. Am I interrupting something? <laughs> now, I can't tell if you're confused or just a little starstruck. Well, the champion layeth before you no custom suit, no purdy jewelry, no sunglasses, no championship belt. And you're probably wondering why. Well, let me tell you why. Last week, you butt your nose into my business. Last week, you embarrassed me. You tarnished my image. So I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do this week in front of the cameras, in front of the people all around the world. I'm going to give you a chance to prove just how tough you are, numbnuts. That's right. I, I doubt you've ever been in a real street fight. By the looks of that pretty face, I don't think you've ever taken a punch before in your life. So now, here's your ultimate opportunity. I've packed a picnic just for the two of us. Inside that little basket of mine, one knuckle sandwich for Jungle Boy. Another knuckle sandwich for Jungle Boy. You hungry? <laughs> Come on, super sir. So now that I've warmed up my flicker jab, let's see what you got, Jungle Jack. Let's see what you got. Come on, bring it. Come on, rock star. What are you going to do? Come on. There you you, you, you want to fight right, right here. Yeah, I want to fight, baby. I, mean, just I, up I, I personally would rather beat you next week in the ring for the championship. You're going to beat me next week? Okay, let me sweeten the deal. Let me sweeten the deal right now. First one's free, Jack. Wow. That's right. First one's free. But let me warn you, as soon as you take that shot, I'm all over your ass. Take it. Come on. Ruin take that ass. first shot. You want me to hit you? I'm going to be right? all up in that jungle, boy. Come We're on. You're going to be all over that ass. You're going to be all Come over. On. Take it. Come okay. on. All right. It's right there for the take. Get rid of your little backpack. I'm never, I'm never going to offer this twice. This yeah. is your only chance, jungle Special boy. Offer. There it is. Give what me a best shot, buddy. Get rid of your phone. Do that tomorrow. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, put your beautiful hair up. There's a reason why I juxtapose, you know, in the beginning I had a Rey Mysterio and Reigns clip, and then I had Omega and Jungle Boy clip, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? I'm trying to juxtapose that on purpose, you know what I mean? Just to show you the difference in how the champs are, because you would think that Omega was on, on Raw, the way that they're kind of booking his character. Not that his matches aren't bad or anything, I think he's still a better wrestler than Reigns is. 
But come on, man. The characters are, you know, people because people have to hate WWE. I get because WWE are the bad guys, right? But you can fucking admit you just it's getting really disgusting with how like people get so fucking defensive over any type of Omega like criticism whatsoever. You know what I mean? Maybe if you guys like maybe people actually validly criticized and made some valid criticism of Omega, you can kind of help improve. Maybe he'll be like, "Okay, I need to improve this whatever." But just blindly fucking riding his dick is not going to help him improve. Just letting you fucking know. The show's not been good and someone who who does not and uh, you know someone who does, like, they start out with the MMA match with fucking Jake Hager and fucking and I'm not going to recap all this fucking stupid shit. Cause I'm not recapping an MMA a fake MMA fucking fight. Even though I think most MMA fights are fucking staged anyways, you know. But just real hitting and all that, but don't let any of the MMA fans know that. <laughs> I mean, if, and as someone who doesn't watch MMA much, I, I can appreciate what they do. And I think professional wrestling needs to quit this shit doing the worked MMA stuff, matched by incorporating typical pro wrestling elements into it. It was a unique look they set up, like like it was an MMA fight, how they came to the octagon, which, which, which looked kind of cool for the wrestling setting. You can tell they filmed it with no fans because they had their actors in the front rows on all sides, amplified the crowd noise to make it seem like it was more lively. And then when they came for commercial, the ring is set up, so they obviously had to do that. They couldn't fucking just dismantle the fucking MMA setup. You know what I mean? There's obviously something that they could try on a Friday night schedule. You know what I mean? Um, let me see. Um, but but yeah, so this to me just felt like a fucking Lions Den caliber match, which seemed kind of like which seemed kind of cool, but it did not fucking make me excited for it whatsoever. They weren't even doing like real the the punches like real like they were worked punches, and and this went like two rounds before Hager submitted him and Wardlow passed out while putting his middle finger in the air. I did like the attempts at the beginning of a double leg you know takedowns and all that you know all like the kind of the elements. There were elements of of using the cage to their advantage where Wardlow used it to bounce off of before doing a Superman like punch. And even at some point, just randomly doing a her and Karana on him out of nowhere to add pro wrestling elements to it. I'm surprised they even went two rounds, but they had to make Wardle look semi-credible. And they could have just done another... They, they could have done an amateur wrestling match instead, since Hager has kind of experience in that. I'll give them credit for making it look different, having a different vibe, but they could have uh, done this like a blood sport or something. It would have been better. And it's funny seeing like, the WWE shills blasting this. Rightfully, but don't act like WWE has has not had a history of doing this kind of shit by doing more horrible versions of Bloodsport with Raw Underground and also trying to mimic the UFC back in the 90s with the Lions Den matches. I thought this was going to be somewhere between the Lions Den match or the Brawl for All. Obviously, I did not think these guys were going to legit hurt each other. I mean, since like people do actually try to really hit each other in actual professional wrestling matches the one time where they didn't actually t- try to make that look real was in a, in a match where you were trying to make it seem like it was real which is you know kind of ironic you know what i mean um after the match after hager was trying to shake hands like a gentleman um spears attacks him from behind and then attacks hager and then jericho who was in hager's corner comes in to make the save 
And this this after brawl looks like a twenty five cent RC Cola version of Connor and Khabib after after fight brawl. MJ come MJF comes out and then attacks Jericho and took off his arm protector he's wearing to put him in the arm bar, which he calls Assault of the Earth. I I, I didn't know that he called that move the Salt of the Earth, but sometimes I don't pay attention. D Malenko kind of broke it up and MJF wanted to attack him, but he hesitates. And I don't get why he would hesitate to build to this punch when a couple of weeks ago. You assumed he beat up Malenko in the stadium setting up, uh, in the stadium setting a couple of weeks ago, but MGF pretends to have remorse, but then punches Malenko, and then Sammy comes in to chase him off. But it seems like this is where this feud is gonna go with them essentially. There was another fucking Team Taz promo where they're trying to get things under control, and there was no cage there. But Taz is telling Stark he needs to, and this it needs to end. And Hobbs was pissed off by being left by himself, and there will be a match with him and Paige next week. He, he challenges Paige next week. It does not interest me where. It does not interest me because wherever you are going with this stable, just go with it because it feels like one week they're making them a threat. The other week they're doing this Three Stooges routine of them being being each other's throats and all that kind of shit. I'm not, I'm not interested in until some something really big happens to establish something. Maybe Cage turns into a baby face, but if, you get, but if you've got nothing for these guys, maybe let them just fucking split up. And maybe, I mean, maybe there's a plan, and they're just figuring it out, figuring out ways to keep it kind of interesting before getting to what they, what we need, what we need. But it just feels the same fucking story every single fucking week, you know. We had Ethan Page versus Scorpio, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky versus Darby, which was pretty fucking good. I thought this was one of their better matches on the episode. That um, th- that is uh, stuck in a fucking a dreadful time slot and feels like a mid '90s, you know, preempted show that. You know, that nothing really compelling happened other than a few things and maybe a few good matches. But this is one of them. Darby throws a shirt at them before the match starts. Paige and Darby start out really fast. Um, starts out, you know, Darby hits a slap, ducks the clothesline, hip toss, and arm drag. Then Sky tags in and as Paige begs off from any more punishment. Darby gets um, Darby gets a drop toe hold and a roll up for a two count. Knocks Paige on, on, on the, off the apron, which Paige runs... Page, uh, uh, I think he just hit Paige like, on the apron. I don't think he knocked him off. Paige runs in. They both get beat down. I like that. I like that there's a sense of urgency from Darby to do this because he's on his own and he has to do all he can to take them take down both of these guys. Dar- Darby does a um, double coffin drop for a two count. They work over him as it seems Darby is getting control back, but ultimately they're double teaming him. Darby counters an ego's edge with a roll up. Sky and Paige do frequent tags to do backbreakers. Darby gets an inside cradle on Sky. They mock Darby for not being able to tag somebody. But Darby gets a scorpion death drop on Sky. Darby knocks Paige off the apron and then does a code right onto Sky, which which Paige breaks up. Dar Darby um ends up zip tying Paige's feet together and rolls and uh and rolls him up so he can take and that takes so it takes Paige out of the match for a bit until he can kind of get free. Darby hits a stunner stunner on Sky and then does a coffin drop, but Paige pulls him out and throws him into the ring post. He does a headbutt. He he does he does headbutt Paige, but then. Sky counters the coffin drop, and then um, Paige hits the eagle's edge for the win. I thought this match was dope because it, sh- it showed urgency in Darby of knowing um, knowing he's outnumbered and he's kind of going through a Bret Hart level of having to like zip tie someone to kind of show he has to play dirty to counter these heels and try to win with a sense of urgency, but ultimately kind of loses, which is kind of proves that he could not do it on his own. Now, I don't know where this goes. Does Sting tell him, I told you so, or does Darby end up becoming a heel because of this? Because it does feel like Sting versus Darby 
I put Sting versus Derby. Will be will be a match they 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 do that they, they go to. I I would have sworn they would have uh, would uh, would uh they would tag for a bit and even try a challenge for the titles maybe. But it was it was it was a it was a fine match though. And and then we had Caesar and then we had Caesar versus uh, Orange Cassio versus Caesar of the Wingmen. And even though this was just a way to do a squash match essentially, I like that they're featuring the lower tier stables on the show to kind of establish them as characters. And they did not need to be pushed, but it still gives them some substance of what kind of antics they will be doing during these matches. It's just a way to get, you know, um, Orange Cassidy and Best Friends to look strong on some fucking level, but adding a bit of substance to it by having inset promos for it. These promos were just generic, but it felt like old school kind of thing, which I'm never fucking mad at, right? So Cesar right, right away grabs Cassidy by the jacket and throws him into the corner, puts his hands in his pockets and throws him across the ring. This part was Ryan Nemeth and Avalon were giving him a makeover outside by the ring by brushing his hair and spray tanning him. And then when Cassidy gets sent back outside again with the by big boot, they give him more of a makeover and put Nemeth's jacket on him. So he was actually he was actually he was wrestling in his in the jacket. There was a cool you know he, he, he Cassidy does not care enough that he he didn't want to take the jacket off. Essentially, it's pretty fucking funny. There was a cool spot after um. After he dives onto Caesar, getting caught, but best friends help him well, help with the distraction, and then in in the ring, the best friends help assist him with the dive over to the over 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 on all the wingmen. Then he hits a stun dog millionaire, and then a tornado DT. There's an orange punch to Nemeth, one to Drake, and then one to Caesar for the win. After the match, Avalon and Caesar has Caesar in his arms like he is dead, which is fucking hilarious. A good match uh, that kind of establishes what the wingmen are about, and it was still an easy win for Cassidy essentially you know what I mean I'll do them I'll do the I'll do some of them I'll do some of the matches but then I I'll have a section of fucking the, the for the promos because it'll, it, it was a, a promo heavy show um but we had Cody and Brock versus QT and so Aaron Solo Brock Anderson looked like a mid-80s jobber with like a blue, the blue trunk someone that looks like Barry Horowitz could even get victories over um, but you know he did find this match he was really impressive I just hope his promo skills end up being as good as his dad's Solo and Brock start off, and they, they're exchanging typical wrestling holes and takedowns. Brock does a kip-off and stomps on his arm. Then QT tags in and asks for Cody, and Brock does, but then not before giving him a punch to the face. QT tags Solo back in. When Cody does tag in, Cody does an uppercut and then dives outside to QT. Solo gets a double stomp onto Cody. Cody and QT strike each other when QT tags in, and Brock tag, tags in and does a nice back body drop. Onto QT and then a gut wrench slam. QT gets a spine buster. He slingshots Brock into the ropes. Solo comes in, comes in with a tag and does a suplex, which only gets a one count. Brock, Brock hits a jawbreaker. QT hits a couple of combos of a forearm, back elbow, etc. And then hits a butterfly suplex and then misses a splash. The ref did not see Cody's tag, but this allows QT and Solo to hit a double neck breaker. This part was impressive with how smooth it went, but uh, QT was going for the crossroads. And then Brock reverses it into a, a fucking uh, DDT, Shades of His Father. Um, Cody finally gets a hot tag, and he nails a power, power slam into Solo. Throws QT across the ring, does a flying head scissors. Hits a figure four on Solo after throwing QT out of the ring. When Solo gets to the ropes, Cody then does a Canadian Destroyer onto QD, which leads to Solo gets a roll-up, which Brock breaks up. He tags in, and 
Cody hits a crossbody on the QT. Brock gets a roll-up for the win um, on Solo. I thought this match was dope. It was a good showing for them, but maybe QT should not be the focus of this because I thought him making him heal would be dope, and it's better than what he was doing before, but it feels like there's no like active heat for this feud, for something that's supposed to be a fucking heated feud. You know, for someone who has an established group, I thought Cody was doing all his indie riffs to kind of prove that he still has something to show. Brock Anderson is bright looking like an Andrew Santino, you know, in a mid-80s, mid-Atlantic jobber. He still looked very impressive in this match, and I hope he develops a lot better, though. By the way, pe people people thought this, this episode was, like, live because Cody just had a baby, right? But this was obviously taped before. But, like, you know what I mean? It's just awkward that, like, you know, the fans know that he just had a baby. But, like, you know, like, there's, like, no, no addressing it or anything like that. Obviously not. I wouldn't expect him to, like, you know... Part of me wonders if they're going to... if they I mean, they probably filmed the fucking June 26th episode already. The, uh, no, the, 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 the June 27th episode on, for Saturday. So I, I assume... I don't know if that, that one's going to be live. I'm sure that one was taped, but I'm sure something big will happen on there or something like that to kind of get Cody kind of, like, out of commission for a bit so he can kind of have some um, some time off for the fucking kid, unless he in, intends on working and all that still, you know. Um... Ford and Penelope Ford and Julia Hart had a decent match, but it's not really too important. Unfortunately, just kind of an empty match to be thrown out there, so they can just say they gave females some time. But it was still a good showing from Ford. She wins with the Moodle Lock. I'm glad Julia Hart is getting more television time. Uh, Ford misses the moonsault. You know, Hart hits hits a misses a leg drop, and Ford gets a Moodle Lock for the win. And the real story is afterwards, Miro comes out and he shows compassion, tells Varsity Blondes to leave Ford alone, who they're not even bothering because her husband is not here, and asks where he is, and that he'll fight for her honor, like he like he wasn't the one who injured Kip to begin with. And he kind of beats up the Blondes, and he sets up a match for the TNT title against Pillman. I think maybe next week or the week afterwards. Uh, I say just let it be a handicap match and just have Miro destroy, destroy both of them. But I, I'm not really looking forward to a Kip-Miro feud. But maybe because of what we've seen from him and Miro the last year, it does not seem appealing. But I would not mind him trying to get some kind of revenge. Just kind of... And, and just kind of... Just, and then you can have Miro just kind of destroy him on a, a special episode. You know what I mean? Of Dynamite. It doesn't have to be a pay-per-view match. I, I don't know. But it makes it seem like Ford will probably turn on him and become his Miro's girlfriend in the storyline. But I like what Miro was doing here, and he continues to impress me on the microphone. He feels like, you know, the most important champion on the show, in my personal opinion. It certainly wasn't the world champion who feels important, because I'm not saying Omega is not a good wrestler. He doesn't have good title belts but when the, when the bell rings, but his character is a glorified cartoon comic book character. And his title defenses have not uh, have not his title defense feud have not felt like credible builds. They feel like Monday Night Raw booking storyline with the forced comedy he does. And even though he does it well, it does not like feel like a world champion to me. Yeah, and that's why there's no comparison to the title reign of Omega and Roman. You know, the, like, there really is not, man. Like they, they could have just set this up with Jungle Boy doing the sit down interviews, but this segment was a glorified Raw segment that would be featured in like WCW two thousand. So Marvin is trying to interview him and trying to um pass, and then and then and then Omega and Callus and Nakazawa pass by in a golf cart. Omega comes out and says Jungle embarrassed him and he tarnished his legacy and he'll give him the opportunity for two knuckle sandwiches. You know, and Jungle says he would rather beat him next week in the ring 
for the title. Omega keeps getting extra annoying and prodding him into a response. That way he's going to be all up in that ass. And he keeps repeating it while Kalt is also saying it. Like, like, these guys try it way too hard for the homoerotic shit, man. Naka, um, then when Jungle Boy is like, getting ready to, uh, to do it, then um, Nakazawa hits Jungle in the back with a laptop. They try to fight, fight, fight with them. But then Omega gets back on the golf cart when Jungle's ch uh, ch kind of chasing him. And he throws Naka Nakazawa out of the way before Omega screaming like a cartoon villain he's gonna get him next week I thought this was a fucking stupid way to get a fucking title feud and people with a straight face are still calling Omega the greatest while saying Reigns is getting stale with, with, with his week to week shit it becomes clear that people online really are forced to defend Omega's honor and they can't even take any fucking criticisms of how he's being booked as a fucking champion he, he, does, not, he does not feel like one in my personal opinion he felt more like a champion when he, uh, when he, when he was, when, uh, when, uh, you know, um, the, the, he felt more like a champion, he felt like more of a champion when, with, with his tag title reign, you know what I mean? And even then, people were saying he was kind of feeling a little bit dry there. Um, you see Dark Order and Paige together, and he accepts Hobbs' challenge, and he kind of avoids the jungle and make a question, and he puts over Uno's efforts last week, and John Silver almost being recovered from his injury. I, I, I like, I, I can relate to this, when you're trying to be happy in your new clique, and people bring up old clique, and then, you know, that may have took out, took, like, took a lot out of you mental, mentally, and you kind of avoid it because you're not ready to face it, face that yet, but... When he finally does, it'll become it'll become dope moment. I I really I, I I really do hope it happens at all out, but maybe they wait a f like the full year from the last match they had at full gear where Omega beat him to win the eliminator tournament to face Mox, right? But I do like that you know they're 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 bringing up slowly more and more. It's like it's becoming obvious that that you know um that Paige still can't handle that. It's he's still heartbroken over what happened with him and Omega basically. You know what I mean? He doesn't want to address it even. He doesn't want to, you know. Another stupid feud is Matt Hardy and Christian. I did like that Matt said that Christian uh, and him shook hands at the Battle Royal and that he breached their contract when he turned on them. Which is pretty fucking funny. Uh, Christian attacks Hardy family office. They lock him in the, in the, in the cage part of where they, were, where they were doing the interview. And Christian calls him a piece of shit to let him out. And Hardy says, maybe being locked up will give him a time to think and tells him to go back and retire. And then if he keeps coming after them, they will retire him. I did like Hardy in this, but I'm not really interested in this fucking feud, man, you know. Uh, Jake and Archer, you know, cut a promo where Archer just yells while Jake is cutting a promo about how Archer could never be a doctor because he doesn't have any patience. I'm like, was this a Jake Roberts promo or a modern day Eminem line? But something about the, he's just saying about gold behind all these forbidden doors, etc. And it feels like you could have, you, it feels like you could have had a feud with him and Miro kind of still go on and make it a blood feud. Because now they got him doing these random promos and I feel like nothing comes out of it. Like every once in a while, like, okay, they're going to push him again. But it just feels like, you know what I mean? I just feel like they kind of got away from the Miro and, and that Archer feud, which could have been like, you know, like a really, a really, really, like, you know, like a real good blood feud for the TNT title to kind of go, like when you look back at classic feuds of the TNT title, like, you know what I mean, the only one that you can really look to, like, I mean, they had dope, they've had dope matches, but what, the only classic feud that's attached to that title, even though they've had good title defenses, 
it's only it's only uh, Brody Lee and Cody Rhodes. Like that's the only real fucking like you know real fucking storyline that kind of put more importance to the title. And I thought like that could be done with Miro and Archer. Like you could have done this extended program for a long time. It just seemed like the way you kind of become credible with champions now is that you make open challenges and then you know you know it just doesn't really you know. Um, Andrade did a sit-down interview, and this was better even though he was limited in his English, but he did not have to really say much, but he was basically says in uh, AEW, he's in AEW because of the stars and the titles and the company are his goals, and he puts over Vicky for being a great business person, and they have a, and, and they have a surprise. I don't know how much Vicky's going to do to be a part of this act, but it seems like she ch- she challenged Brett and Rebel for, to a tag match with her and Nyla Rose. I'm not looking forward to this, and the thing is, is she's not the heat magnet she was in the WWE when she was at her best. She seems like she's kind of continuing the final year of her, her, the final years of her in the WWE where she was kind of an afterthought. I did like that she said that she's getting this match because Tony owes her a favor of getting Andrade into the company. So I don't know if Andrade is going to be like like just associated with her or is she going to manage him? But if if she's going to manage manage him, then they better like heat her up more and more. You know what I mean? Or maybe they're waiting for a fucking crowd to kind of react to her more and more. But we'll see what fucking ends up happening. But this seems like a comedy type of deal with Britt Baker and, and you know, thing like, you know what I mean? They, they haven't really followed up good with Britt Baker since she's won the title, you know? Uh, Jaden Sterling announced their partnership with Luxurious Hotels and one being in Toronto, which is owned by, Sh- which, you know, ended up owned, being by, owned by Shadokan. They're looking for more and that, you know, the brand is going to continue to grow and they put over that show still undefeated and you can catch her on all AW programs, except for Dynamite, but they put her over a catchphrase. It does not feel feel like the heat make the the heat feel like a heat magnet team you would expect. So I wonder if this is a temporary thing, for someone else to come in, or 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 what? Like I, I they, 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 you know I I just I just I'm, I'm not I guess I, I thought this would be better, but I mean maybe she needs to have an established feud because you know what I mean there's only so long you can keep doing these fucking promos. But I think they only give one fucking woman feud. Uh, of time and then the rest are just doing doing these generic promos and the rest are just her um not being able to um you know like her just beating jobbers up like get like 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 get a feud going or something like that but they don't really give these women time i mean hopefully with rampage there'll be more to this but you know um they did a video package for FDR and Santana and Ortiz, putting over their hardships they had to go through from being poor and seeing the things they had to see and had to do to survive. I feel like these teams were... I feel like this, this promo package, I feel like they're main event... I put main event reams, main event teams, and I, I love the credibility they're putting on the tag division, even with teams not currently in the title hunt. And FDR puts them down for, not be, for being complacent and not winning titles yet. I thought this was great, and Santana keeps coming off like the star of the group by going over what he had seen and how he's not going to be told he's complacent and how their journey was worth it when they made their debut in AEW and all in, in, in all out 2019. So I thought this promo package was fucking amazing, man. I thought it was fucking great. 
And then um and then earlier in the night with the call Kaz, Penta and Kingston cut a promo and Kaz is quoting Bible quotes sounding like he's like about to storm the Capitol. But he's basically giving his good he's he's giving this good promo about getting revenge and the Lord like the Lord not agreeing with him and all that. Kingston finishes off with their with their souls already being going going to God but their asses belong to them. Uh, it was decent. Um, so the match, so this was the main event. Cass starts off with attacking Anderson as he tries to cover up, and he gets a huge lariat with him into him. Penta in, Penta's in, he kicks him in the midsection. Matt Jackson tags in, and Penta super kicks both him and Anderson. He does a sling bit on both of them. Kingston tags in as Penta kicks Matt in the face, and Kingston does some headbutts. Kingston chops to Matt after Matt missed a crossbody when Gallows tags in. Kingston's shoulder tackle has no effect. Kingston has control and does a shoulder block from the second rope, knocks Matt off the apron, and then bites Anderson outside. Everyone's brawling. The Elite have control over the manager, over the commercial and all that against Kingston. Eventually Matt kicks, uh, eventually Matt kicks have no effect on Kingston, and Kingston fires back with chops, then gets a belly to belly. Cass tags in and strikes Gallo with a flying forearm to Anderson. He does a springboard leg drop and gets a cross face. Kaz knocks Gallo off the apron, which gives Anderson an opportunity to do a spine buster. Penta tags in and hits a cross body to Matt and a better backbreaker, Insiguri to Gallows, then a tope onto the Good Brothers, and then an Insiguri to Matt, followed by a DDT for a two-count. Kingston tags in and does a running knee. Kaz does a shotgun drop kick, and Penta with a package pile driver. Kingston with a back back body drop. Kaz hits angel wings. Gallows stops, stops the pin. Um, Penta hits uh, Anderson with a thrust kick. Anderson hits a neck breaker. Kaz, Kingston are knocked off the apron. Matt does an elbow drop for Gallows to make the cover. It, does, it, gets, a, it gets a count of two. Kaz breaks up the pin and when Penta is pinned and then um, from the Magic Killer and throws Gallows out of the ring. Anderson hits a high boot and then Penta hits a back backstabber. Nick Jackson shows up and sprays Penta with a cold spray in the eye. Anderson gets a super cutter and they win. I thought this match was a fun tag match for the heels to win. I thought they, they really showcased how good Anderson, uh, how, 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 they showed how good Anderson can be. Felt like a New Japan era Anderson, you know. Um, by the way, the Good Brothers are supposed to make their return to New Japan Strong in the, in the U.S. soon. Because they're, they're promoted, apparently. I haven't been keeping up with New Japan Strong. You know what I mean? Like, there's too much wrestling. I, I went out of my way to watch a stardom match, by the way, with uh, Sayuri versus the uh, champion, I think... Uh, uh, what was her name? Hold on, let me see what her name was. Um, sorry, hold on, let me see. Uh, versus. Um, hold on, let me start. Um, champion. What's her name? I forget. I don't get to watch Stardom often, man. You know what I mean? I, I don't really know much about fucking some of these things. I I see Leslie Lee always kind of promoting these Japanese promotion, which kind of okay. Her name is uh, 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 Utami Hayashi. See, it's Hayashi. See again, like it's H A Y A S. So Hayash with with H in the end, and then I S I S H. So Hayashishida, you know what I mean? Like you know, I I can never pronounce the fucking the names properly, you know. 
Um, so yeah, so so that was AEW, I guess. Um, I think things are going the right direction, but I really hope that Omega feels more important than just being a cartoon champion. Um, you know, I just hope the NBA. I just hope the the NBA playoffs end soon because I mean, I want, I want wrestling back on Wednesdays. I think you know again you know uh, you know um. I I just don't get why it's controversial to say that you know Omega needs to improve, but so many fucking people get offended by this notion because it, it is a because because it, it is a WWE because again if it is a WWE guy, then people like you know what I mean because you're promoting a WWE guy over you know an AEW guy, but so many people you know. I mean, WWE's booked the guy, the, the, he booked this guy, booked Roman Reigns, right, and it feels natural for him to be this, uh, this, uh, you know, this, um, to be this, you know, bad guy champion who's already on his way of having one of the better reigns in the company, in my personal opinion. He's killing it, with, and the bloodline is a lot more compelling than the, this shit. Uh, I thought Brock Anderson looked good. I liked the FDR Santana Ortiz promo. I liked Miro's presence on the show. I even liked the Page and Sky actually were proven right. So it'll be interesting to see where Darby goes. Um, it'll be interesting to see where this, uh, where everything goes. But and with, with uh, and Cassidy had a nice glorified match and and uh, uh, to kind of give a lesser established guys a chance to be on the main show. I I don't think I think J D Drake needs to uh, go on his own though. You know what I mean? I think he he can do better on his own. I don't, I don't think he fits the fucking. You know what I mean? I don't think he fits this fucking group really. He feels like he feels like an old school N W A guy. You know what I mean? Um yeah. So I mean that that was uh that was A W. Um, I can get into some other stuff that you know I'll discourse ready. But by, by the way, um, let me see right here. Hold on. Let me see right here. Drake Drake Wurtz is uh Drake Wurtz is uh chilling with Mike Lindell and oh my god it's so fucking you know he let me see what he wrote it's it's his way of promoting his Mike Mike Pillow thing I think he was at like some type of fucking like gathering whatever and all that um let me see right here he, let me see what the what the photo is Standing up to this woke mob and these attacks from snowflakes sure can make you tired. Thankfully, I got the best night of my sleep over using the promo code HOPE45. What a fucking... Ch- and then, you, you, know what's even, you know what's even worse? Is that, um... What's even worse is that uh, he has, uh... He's using... I, I, thought, I, I thought this was fake, but I think David Bixpan was showing it. But like, I, I, and this is only three that I, that that I have in my, in my, at my disposal right here. But there's like a couple of them. He's taking um, stock photos of black people, and he's and he's promoting his like, t like like the person who does t shirt fucking slogans for him. Like or like or who who's plugging? He's plugging. Let me see. What, he's a. But but yeah, but by the shirt vendor basically, but he's using black people. So he has a, a, a and you can see the original photos of of, of like these the stock photos, whatever, right? But he but he goes. I, so there's one black guy who has a, who has like the stock photo of a black guy, but he, on on the picture he has right here on on the shirt that they're promoting for whatever brand he's promoting. He goes after all I did. Please do not tell me in two thousand twenty. 2020 black people are voting for Democrats. Okay, so that's one thing. Then he has, 
not gonna sugarcoat, not gonna sugarcoat it anymore. If you still believe CNN, CNNBC, BS, MSNBC news, you are the you are either stupid or devil. And then, uh, and then he has another one with a black with a black guy working out with with a, with a shirt going. Racism ends when black people stop being racist. Like what the fuck, bro? And the thing is, like you know, again, it's not under WWE's thing anymore. But to me, it feels like you know this is kind of uh, WWE. You know, sending him out into the wild, and I, 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 if people don't really folk, if people don't really pay attention, there's going to be some really bad shit that's happening. I really do feel like they are really incorporated into all this fucking bullshit. They, they, they really are. I, I really do. And I hope it gets exposed, but no one's really taking this Trump shit seriously because all all of this is becoming a parody. And because we've already established that Democrats always fucking whine and complain, that's like the narrative that they do, even though the Republicans do the exact same thing. Um, people are gonna make it seem like we shouldn't really care because it's already been established that fucking anything the Democrats, anyone that the Democrats complain about, even if there's a valid complaint, no one's going to care because all they'll do is point out their fucking hypocrisy, which they're supposed to do. So by design, they're already kind of making you point out their fucking hypocrisy um, by not fucking taking the other fucking shit seriously. And I do think there are some bad faith actors, even on the fucking left side, who are pretending like they are are focusing all their fucking energy on there. Like right now, I, I haven't watched the video, but Jimmy Dore is already promoting that whole uh, John Stewart fucking um, who uh, how Stephen Col- see again. This is how fucking Col- this is how much of a fucking a mark fucking Jimmy Dore is. This is how much again and, and again. Oh look, Colby. Like like if he was really telling you the truth, he would have told you that like they're tr- like in Jimmy Dore's defense. I haven't heard him say he blame fucking China for 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 this shit. But he's like making it seem like a lab leak, which is probably fucking true. But they're making it seem like in an anti-China fucking rhetoric in a way. And, and and people don't see that. And the fact that Jimmy Dore fucking thinks that, oh, Jon Stewart's telling the fucking truth while, you know, this is fucking shit's going on. It's it's kind of uh, it's kind of off-putting a little bit. But again, you can't really criticize Jimmy Dore, otherwise his whole fucking crew will go after you. You know what I mean? Even though even though he points out legitimate things about fucking, uh, 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 you know, even though he pulls out, you know, uh, um, you know, um, I don't know. People don't know things about TIT, you know what I mean? Um, let me see what else. Um, um, oh, yeah. Um, well, let me see. Just trying to fucking um, change something right here. Hold on, uh, hold on, hold on. Uh, yeah, so then, yeah, so then, um, it just, it just, uh, it just feels, uh, more and more like, you know, that, that, that game just feels more and more like that shit's gonna fucking keep going on. People have their online fucking clicks and, uh, people who they can harass. And it's just becoming more and more obvious with, um, like, uh, here's an example, right? So, uh, Chloe Bailey, um, who only seems to, her storylines always seem to exist about 
her being sexualized and how she does sexualize fucking things and everyone fucking gets in a frenzy about it. I do think there's a valid thing to be made that like the industry does make these women um, feel like they have to become more sexualized. I'm not saying that they shouldn't if they if that's what they want to fucking do, but people pretend like that there is no like because the people who always kind of go off about oh my god everything's sexualized, um the gay agenda and all that type of stuff they always do the sensationalist shit that always leads to like looking like right-wing conservative shit but the thing is like there is like legitimate fucking things that go on behind the fucking scenes that people will that the fucking liberals will gatekeep and pretend like it's about thing but anyway she did a fucking video doing a nina simone video doing a nina simone tribute on juneteenth it was a very nice fucking tribute like you know what i mean like what was the song called again let me see let me see what the song is i've heard it before let me see um Chloe, Bailey, hold on, uh, Nina Simone, let me see what it is. F- yeah, f- the song Feeling Good. So people were out- outraged. And by the way, whenever they say people are outraged, it's, I always see more fucking comments of people. Like, I see the, the, the algorithm is more dominated by people who are going, oh, you're all offended by Chloe Bailey doing this. So I barely saw any fucking retaliation, like any fucking people fucking lashing out. It feels like another one of those uh, forced controversies to make it seem like there's something big fucking going on. But this was also done by design because then it became like, oh, does uh, does uh, Nina, would Nina Simone approve of this? But Nina Simone, I get, I don't know much about her politics, right? Like, I know she makes good music. I know a lot of hip hop people um, in the industry have fucking sampled her work. You know what I mean, man? Because I, I only follow fucking hip hop. It, 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 whenever like someone sampled a lot, I always kind of look back at those songs and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, oh yeah, she, this person was really fucking good. So I've known of Nina Simone for, uh, f- f- for a while, obviously, right? Whatever, right? I, I think like some of the songs that she has made that have been sampled, I'm like, oh man, these are fucking phenomenal fucking songs, but apparently she was for sexual liberation and all that kind of stuff, so people shouldn't really have an issue with it, but then it ended up somehow with uh, Nina Simone's granddaughter talking about how they don't control the estate because it was given to white people, and Kamala Harris was the attorney general at the fucking time, um, uh, to, uh, to make the, to make her family step down, and so people, so then, 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 like, fucking, uh, occultist, they all, uh, everyone came in with court documents of, um, the mother, the mother, the, um, the, the granddaughter's, like, the mother, like, Nina Simone's daughter, stealing, embezzling funds from a charity for, that was meant for kids in Africa, and listen, I'm not, def- I'm not defending embezzling fucking money whatsoever and all that kind of stuff, but if, whenever they, they get one person who's like lower on the totem pole than a bunch of other people in the elite it's always to send a message because you can always assume that everyone that's doing doing some charitable doing some charity shit is always taking from their thing it just you wait until you make it seem like oh one person did this here and there and it makes it seem like oh that person is greedy when the entire system is built on that greed that's the reason why these people in the elite circles do that kind of charity shit is so they can steal from the charity to whatever. So I'm sure there could have been more people that Kamala Harris could have gone after besides fucking Nina Simone. And so like now everyone's fucking blaming, uh, going after Nina Simone's granddaughter and saying, yo, you should blame your mother for this, whatever. But um, Kamala Harris has done way more corrupt things than, 
than whatever. So I don't understand why people are siding with her. And just like clockwork, everyone is fucking going for her. And it feels like a lot of these people are fucking agents and cultists. And then and that's that's why that's why like this online shit is fucking dangerous, man. Because a lot, cause a lot of these people, it's becoming more obvious these are fucking organized groups in the in these fucking settings. In my personal opinion. Like, it, if it always feels like, like, like there's, like, you know, some, some underground type of fucking rules where people are, are always trying to organize more. And these people, this is how people online fucking make money. So, like, while they're fucking complaining about celebrities and all this kind of stuff, they're the same ones who are profiting off of ruining your fucking life by pulling out fucking receipts and all that kind of stuff. Like, they didn't have that information available because everyone online is a fucking agent. In my personal opinion, and you know, and you, you you go over and you look at fucking how like 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 whenever they highlight a, a, a cult right in a documentary or a serial killer on a documentary, it's basically showing you how to get away with uh, organizing one, because if they're gonna tell you the truth, they will tell you that every institution, every public figure has a fucking cult uh, of their own that fucking do their fucking dirty work. There are people that always fucking brag about, like, you know, what they were doing in the past and fucking how much fucking dirt they were doing. And the fact that you're bragging about that online um, when, when you know, government agents and fucking law enforcement are fucking watching over you, it just shows me you're allowed to boast about that because you're probably protected. So it just makes me assume that everyone who can kind of boast about what they do in the past, that they can, that they're protected and they're allowed to kind of show off about that. In my personal opinion, of course. Do I know that for a fact? Probably not, you know. But it, to me, it just seems fucking really, really odd, in my personal fucking opinion. It really does. It feels really, really fucking odd. It feels fucking really disgusting as well, you know. Um, and then it, this leads to this whole Megan the Stallion and uh, and the baby fucking beef, because the baby did a fucking song with Tory Lanez, which again I told you Tory Lanez is gonna exist. I've been saying this since last year. Tory Lanez was gonna exist as a fucking villain. You know what I mean? It's gonna be further used. And then whenever somebody collaborates with him, Megan the Stallion will come out and she'll be the voice of women empowerment and all that kind of stuff. And it'll create more gender wars. But then people will point out that Megan the Stallion did a fucking song with the baby who has domestic abuse issues. Instead of just instead of just telling you that everyone has to work with filth in this industry, and then when you use it against people, you use it against people. Because if again, if Megan the Stallion is such a good person, then why would she kind of collaborate with Nikki? Minaj, who is married to a fucking sex, uh, uh, to a child predator, to, you know what I mean, like, who's, who's married, you know what I mean, so, again, so the Megan and Stallion, again, this feels like an obvious fucking, like, I, I, I don't know if it's gonna be revealed that this whole thing was an orchestrated storyline, and I'm not saying that Megan isn't, like, you know, is this villain right there, that I, I'm saying Megan is also a victim, because she's playing a role in the system, like, you, she had, like, like, it was organized for her to get shot, and, you know what I mean, like, that's part of her, uh, initiation and then Tory Lane has to be the fucking bad guy and then you know then of course and people will fucking chastise Megan for stuff that she did but then like you know she said that oh uh, people support like when she said that oh he supports me in people some people some industry men support me in private but then in public they show me different thing but I mean he probably does support you in, in private but because he's doing something in public that means it's his, it's his persona essentially 
just like it's your persona to fucking do some shit you know what i mean so it feels like 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 in the way that people are just looking for ways to fucking argue online and keep the cycle going because no one wants to actually solve this shit everyone will this is why i don't buy into this whole celebrity when when you're living vicariously through celebrities and pretending like oh my god i gotta stand up for megan the stallion i gotta stand up for tori lane i gotta stand up for their baby it's like motherfucker like you like you, you don't know these people this is like a drama to you you're following along because this, this is a live uh, soap opera fucking show where fans are participating you know what I mean like the, 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 like you know in the, in the 90s like the, that uh, that uh, Tony like you know that Tony and Tina wed, uh, what was that uh, that play that they're doing where it's like fan fan interaction with on the Stern show where like it was Tony and Tina's wedding whatever that like was a big fucking that was a big this, this interactive play and all that stuff, kind of shit it feels like 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 this stuff has been kind of practiced for what was going to go go on in the real world because that's what really it is a lot of these things are like like not that like she didn't really get Get shot or anything like that like she really did get shot but like you know it, it, the thing is is like you know these people have like you know uh you know industry initiate like i mean you have to fucking take a fucking take some punishment mentally or physically in order for you to fucking you know um in, in order for you to fucking continue on doing what you're fucking doing essentially like there's some really fucked up initiations and the world does not make any fucking sense whatsoever and people try to make sense of a world that's already built on fucking crazy bullshit so how would you even have anything that's stable or that's sane if the world is already built off of that shit you know what I mean? And people are getting into fucking arguments over this shit. People are losing their fucking minds over this fucking shit. You know what I mean? Like, it just, it's really, I don't know, it's, it's really, really, really fucking disgusting, man. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that's, uh, and, then, and then there was, like, talk about Peyton Royce doing a podcast where, again, like, it feels like a lot of these WWE people, like, they're going to prosper outside of WWE, there's certain people, but again, it's like, you know, in a limited way where people, you, you make the stories, because again, like, again, you could, I, I will badmouth WWE and Vince McMahon all day and every day, right, but when Peyton Royce, now going by Cassie Lee, is talking about how Vince McMahon had a conversation, and she, she pitched one idea, and then Vince McMahon didn't like that idea, and she goes, what else you got, like, what kind of person are you, and she goes, she's kind of a boring person, then what do you expect Vince McMahon to really say, you know what I mean, you're not really selling yourself really that fucking good, unless there's more to it, but, I mean, but the thing is, and all the WWE shills get fucking overly defensive about this fucking shit, because, uh, they because they also uh like you know get a because cause a lot of these guys online are part of the wwe creative on some level or they have friends in creative so they take it really 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 personal when uh you don't fucking like something that they do basically you know is when does a hell in the cell start is it 7 p.m Okay, seven p. Okay, I, I should I should get going, but um, yeah, it's it's just fucking it's just fucking crazy, man. You know, I again I, I don't know what's gonna happen with them. I'm sure they'll find success somewhere and all that kind of shit. 
Uh, let me, uh, again, something was floating around online, and I guess, like, this is gonna be one of the episodes for Dark Side of the Ring. By the way, I did watch The Dynamite Kid. I'm gonna kind of write, do a write-up of it, but again, like, th- this is what happens. I, I, I do point-form notes, and then I end up fucking, you know, end up, like, not getting everything, really. But this was an interesting episode, but, um, the Chris Canyon episode is gonna probably air when it re- resumes, obviously, right? So, here is, uh... Someone let out a chapter from, um, you know, um, from Chris Canyon's book. He goes, um, this is when, when, um, I was staying with a friend in a mine in Louisville. It was an old, lonely house that seemed mirror exactly how I was feeling. Nights were spent sleeping in an uncomfortable air mattress. And then, I, and then, okay, I don't want to read the whole fucking thing, but, um, Basically, he was talking about, like, how he wanted to go to a funeral, but he couldn't go because he's injured, and it didn't look good for the company and all that. But then he talked about kind of getting a call, whatever. Um, uh, you go, so let me go here. Lay in my bed was my way to avoid all these regrets, anxieties, and fears. Sometimes I would do all for, uh, for six days in a row, only getting out to make an appearance in the ring. Only thing I could do is muster the energy to still care about but after four months of wrestling in Ohio Valley, my fortunes looked like they were about to change. I was back, my body felt good, and I knew I was ready to step in the ring again. That was it. My sights were set on backing television, but Vince McMahon ruined everything. It was Paul Heyman, one of Vince's right-hand men, who told me that they had to skit for me. And then I'm quoting what, what um, he wrote in his book, that what Paul Heyman said. Because Vince wants you to sing like a faggot, like dude, like like really like the fact the, the, the fact that Paul Heyman didn't have a problem with the fucking talent, and again the fact that he just said that openly to to him like that that shows me that like these guys just don't really fucking give a shit about that. But anyways, so it goes. He said he went on tell me they wanted me to dress like Boy George and come out of the big closet. I remember this angle by the way. I'd been off the radar for so long, I knew I needed to do something that he asked, but the angle was so out of the ordinary, it made no sense in storyline. Normally, when guys were out so long, they either came back with a whimper, no storyline, or they came out with something great to get them elevated. This angle was almost too much. This was a message. I would not be doing gay. I would not be doing the gay angle that I wanted to do. So he didn't have a problem with doing a gay angle because he was pitching one. I would be doing a gay angle that Vince wanted me to, even though it was nine months after the fact. It was another way for Vince to drive home, drive home the embarrassment. I had rehearsal. I I had to rehearse all of it, and Vince on one hand to watch, laughing his ass off, brought me back to the Tory Wilson incident. I never felt so small. I was in a no-win situation. I realized the gravity of it, and then there I said no. I would not be fired, and everyone would wonder why I turned down. So if I said yes, then I would have to go through with this embarrassing act, and even when I come back on national TV, no less. I did only the only thing I could. I'll do it. Whatever, whatever you want. I said. I think you should do it, do it, man. Um, it was Jim Mitchell. I called him. He told him that Vince wanted to make me do. Cause who gives a fuck what anyone thinks? As, as a wrestler, what do you always have to do? You keep a storyline going. He was right. Keep it going, man. He said, do what you have to do. I, I was to wrestle The Undertaker on the February 13th on McMahon's SmackDown show. I was still quite sure how this was, was wasn't quite sure how this all 
going to come off. Up until that point, I made a career of being a guy who would do things for laugh to make other guys look good, but this time McMahon might be the only one laughing. The more I thought about it, the more I was certain he did this for two reasons, to see how far he could push me and see if I would admit being gay. But the thing is, I don't understand, if, if, if to him admit being gay, wasn't he already out of the closet, like he said in the Stern interview back then, like everyone knew? Um... It was only one of the worst things I ever, it was one of the worst beings I ever took. The Undertaker was a six ten, three hundred pound giant who wore a long black coat in the ring. He was known for the American badass after that kid rock song, Do You Really Wanna Hurt Me? I sang on the inside of the closet, which was placed in the middle of the ring. Do you really wanna make me cry? When I emerged the crowd went wild with boos and laughs. They didn't know what to make uh make of me either. I was dressed up like boy George, decked out in purple and pink, makeup covered in my entire face. The I don't think the makeup I don't think he had makeup on I don't remember correctly I gotta watch that segment again I remember the thing is like I watched that segment without knowing anything was going on in the news I just thought this was like one of Canyon's like over the top thing because this is like something that Canyon would have done in WTW kind of in a way like an over the top like doing that so I just thought like he was like into this like so I I was just glad that Canyon was back on television because I hadn't seen him since the invasion angle ended you know what I mean and I, I was like I, he was one of the guys that I really thought would actually do well in the WWE because he got so over in the end of WCW when he wasn't really doing anything, right? Um, the Undertaker did not hold back. It was painful outing for me. On, on his share shots, he didn't... He, he didn't... Uh, hit, he, he didn't hit the flat off my back. He hit the shoulder blades, giving me another concussion, which kept me out of the ring again for a few weeks. Afterwards, I was convinced the whole thing was set up, including beating with a deliberate. I thought it was a message from McMahon, we don't want you, or or you're kind here. But see, see, that, see, that part, I don't really get, because there's a lot of, I, I think, again, maybe it's the way that I've described it, that, that there's like a lot of, uh, you know, gay gay people who work in the industry. But maybe it's like one of these old school mentalities, like a lot of these closeted right wing fucking people are, where like you know they they like to partake in the homoerotic initiations and all that kind of stuff. But if someone is actively out there being themselves, they will like you know be the first ones to kind of call them the f word and all that. And and the way that and the way that Heyman just said that right there, he wants you to sing like that, like a f word, whatever, like that. Like to me, that just shows that uh that like these guys they you know like even though they. Because, again, there's no secret that it's Shawn Michaels and Vince probably has something going on, whatever, right? So so I always assume that, like, there's no way that Vince really hates gay people if, like, him himself has partaken in doing that kind of shit, allegedly, whatever. You know what I mean? But there's a difference between these fraternity initiations, whatever, and actually liking gay people, and it seemed like they didn't like them. But I don't know. It's, it's, it's always kind of confusing with that, you know what I mean? Um... Um, as the days went by, I slipped further and further into myself. I thought maybe to change scenery would do me good, so I moved to a new beach home in Clearwater, Florida. I slept, walked, I slept, walked through the rest of the summer, showing up for wrestling, giving as much effort I could muster, coming and coming home. But I, but but a thought stuck to me. I always wondered if things would be better if I weren't alive. These things would be easier, wouldn't they? I go into bed thinking the same thing over and over. Could I? Could I? Could I kill myself if I wanted? Or could I do it? I was September two thousand thirteen. September fourteen two thousand three. Sunday I had not been. I hadn't uh, 
been out of the house or even out of bed since Wednesday. My bedroom was a mess covered in newspapers and printed out emails from years ago. Things I saved because I could not throw them away. Everywhere I looked was another sign of my wretched life. For two straight months, I had thought about ending it. My self-confidence was shaken. Paranoia set in, and I had no idea how to cope with my double life. Who was I? Was I even a person at all? Was I lying to everyone because I was afraid I would lose my job, Yet I was lo- but yet I was losing my job. There was no escape. I walked into the bathroom and grabbed a full bottle of sleeping pills. There were 50 pills in the bottle. That should be enough, I thought. That's where the, the quote ended. But that's fucking, you know, again, I never read the book. I didn't know what he was going through. I always liked Canyon. I always thought, you know, I kind of bought into John Cena. I go, maybe because John Cena's not a liar, so maybe he's kind of right that maybe Canyon was not just good. And just like, because again, back then, whenever someone would be a disgruntled worker, there would always be enough credible people to kind of like, you know, who have credibility like Ric Flair or John Cena to kind of like, you know, go, oh, no, there's nothing wrong with WWE, blah, 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 blah. Nothing wrong. But to me, you know, it just shows you how insane like, this fucking industry is, and how fucking, you know, some of these people are who fucking put you through that type of shit, you know what I mean, I don't know, but anyways, um, I'm gonna go and watch, uh, Hell in a Cell, so I'll be back, um, with a recap later on, I guess, sometimes during the week, I guess, hopefully I can, you know, keep doing these more often more than just you know doing it every couple of days so i don't build up more fucking frustration so i needed to get this out of my fucking chest before i even do the china and the fucking dynamite kid documentary and all that and then stone cold is having one with mcfoot i don't think i need to cover any of that stuff maybe i'll just cover some of the interesting things that i fucking you know notice from that fucking one but we'll see what goes on you know what i mean anyways peace out